You know, there's a scripture that pastors sometimes have used in order to get people to come to their church. And uh, it might work sometimes, but it says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some, but exhort one another, you know, as even more as you see the, the day approaching. And I know that maybe that's been wrongly applied, but it really means what it says. The word exhort means persuade. It's really important in this hour that you be gathering together with those that God's called you to gather, gather with. And uh, there's a, there's a, I ran across a quote. I, just listen to this. It says, Do your best then to meet more often to give thanks and glory to God. When you meet frequently, the powers of Satan are confounded. And in fear of your corporate faith, Satan's intent to do evil and harm crumbles. And that was a quote from a first century father, Ignatius. So that's how the first church operated. That's what they believed. And so it's important to find your place. I agree with that word, transition time is over. If you're still in transition, just say, God, look, this enough is enough of the transition now. I want to be in place. You know what I mean? And see if it works. I remember one time when I was in Waco, Texas, and I'm, you know, just wanting to be in ministry. And it was at that time, I, said, I told God, I said, God, play me or trade me. And I meant it. Either get me on the field or trade me to another team. And it was right after that, he sent me to West Virginia, and everything began to, to happen. So just mean business with God. But it's time to be in place. Now, you may have seen, I don't know if maybe you didn't, but I I heard it. I didn't see it. But YouTube now has their own ministry of truth. And they're going to be listening, watching very closely for anyone that mentions anything about abortion contrary to what they deem as the truth. And uh, so they're going to be censoring those that tell the truth, which only means that you and I have to tell the truth a little bit louder. And we've got to stand for truth like we never have before. There'll be many people that are going to, to back up and uh, try to soften. They've been doing that all along. That's not what we've been called to do. Now, if you've been coming here for a while, you know we're not. We don't want people... Well, let's put it this way. We're not supposed to be preaching woe is me messages. It's supposed to be wow is God messages. You know what I mean? But in this case, if the shoe fits, wear it. And remember Paul said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. And I would say woe is us if we do not stand for the truth in this hour. While we had the opportunity to stand. And anyway, here's a scripture. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee when no one pursues them. They're bound in fear, and so, you know, just the presumption of something that's going to get them causes fear, and they flee. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Say, I'm bold as a lion. And that's not the lions that are in the Congo or Uganda 
or Rwanda or Kenya. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. I, w- I want you to do something. Look at somebody next to you if you can reach over. Boy, it's good to see Thomas. Thomas is back among us. And uh, you don't know Thomas. We do. He's part of our family. You're welcome back, Thomas. Thanks for joining us behind enemy lines. We'll tell you what that means at some point. But look at somebody. Okay, look at somebody and say this. Now, you, some of you say, shouldn't you tell me what I'm going to say before I say it? No. No, you can have a disclaimer after you can say, I disclaim it if you want to. But look at somebody and say, it's time to prove that I am who I say I am. It's time to act on what I say I believe. It's time to risk it all for the sake of the gospel and for the sake and the honor of my Lord. For there's no other king but Jesus. So let's just say that together. There's no other king but Jesus. No other king. And he is our king. Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. He that finds his life or seeks to save his life will lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now, I've entitled this message this morning, Are You Prepared and Ready for What's Ahead? Actually, What's at Hand? And uh, you know that you may not like this message. In fact, I'm just, I was thinking about this, Lord. You know, there's some people, they don't like this kind of stuff. He said, well, you do think, what do you think they did with me? They crucified me if they hated me. And if they don't hate you, then there must not be much of me inside of you. You should wonder when you're not targeted in this hour. You should ask, Lord, what am I doing wrong? Where am I compromising? But anyway, this message will make more sense to you if you have a certain worldview. And I was thinking, you know, there's those who have a secular worldview. You're going to be in great conflict with the church of Jesus in America in this hour. Great conflict. Something's going to have to give. You've been programmed all your life to believe a certain thing. And it's not the truth. And so the truth is going to be trumpeted one more time loudly in America. And then you may have a political worldview. Now, if you have a political worldview, you're going to get steaming mad at some of the things that are being said in this hour. And that, so what? And then there's some that have a, you know, they have kind of a uh, religious worldview. They'll become even madder. The religious will really get mad because you're rocking their boat. Well, it's time to rock the boat. However, if you have a biblical worldview, a lot of this is going to start making sense. And that's what you want, right? You want to, I want this to make sense. I want to see the fulfillment. Did you know that only 9% of Bible-believing Christians, they say they're Christians in America, have a biblical worldview. That's it. Now, this is the shocking part. Only 37% of pastors in America 
say they have or will admit they have a biblical worldview. Well, God's going to do something about it. You know, the book of Malachi says, then again, you're going to know those that serve me from those who do not serve me. You're going to know it. It's going to happen. It's called the refiner's fire. But we want to start, you know, if, got a, if you have a biblical worldview, this stuff is going to make sense. And you're going to be like Daniel 11.32. How many of you know what that verse says? Those that, what? Know their God shall be what? Strong and carry out great exploits. Now, this is what I feel like we're supposed to do. I met John Dislin, who wrote this. It's not a book. It's a manual. I can hardly hold it up. It's very thick. We have some copies in the, in the bookstore, and I'm going to try to get these to some friends. I'm going to bring John here. I met him, had dinner with him. When I met him, it was quite intimidating. This man used to play... Uh, college basketball, Virginia, until he hurt his knee, but he's seven foot tall. Now, if you haven't noticed, I'm not the tallest guy on the block. And so when I met him, you know, how you doing, John? And I, uh, I thought, you know, when he comes, I'm going to stand up here on, top, on a chair and have him down there and introduce John. But um, anyway, I looked at him the first time. I said, wow, this is like David and Goliath. He said, I'm not Goliath. I'm not the bad guy. I said, well, I'm not either. I'm a David, and he was too, really. And anyway, he's a precious, precious. This guy's like Jesus. He looks like... But anyway, I just fell in love with his material. And I've been reading it, so I want to um, use it as a supplement over these next... Now, I know Bobby will be here next week. But, uh, but then as a supplement of where we're going. He wrote a book called Nehemiah Strong, Life-Sustaining Essentials for a Season of Trial. And I've never read anything like it. It's like all the things I've heard are put together where they make sense. And it's chock full of Scripture. And so I thought, Lord, you know, we need to, we need the people need to know about these things. And if they ban us, they ban us. They're going to ban us sooner or later anyway. If you're speaking the truth, if you're not being attacked, it's because you watered down, you've got a wimpy... Anyway, i got to be good. I want you to go to Psalm 46. And so I'll share some things today, but then there's things that God's put in my heart that I want to launch into as we begin this new season. Because... We are to be overcomers. The last day church, regardless of the timing of all of these things, they're to be overcomers. But look at this in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. How many of you know that? How many of you are so thankful? A very present help in trouble. And uh, notice, He's your helper in the midst of trouble. There's some... You won't know him as to how great of a helper he really is until you find yourself in great trouble. Does that make sense? You find out the nature of God when you need him in that way 
and he becomes the great I am. I am your helper. And I assure you, in this moment, America is in a lot of trouble. And the only help is God Almighty. We need a miracle. That's what we need, really. And uh, God's called us for such a time as this. You know, I was reading in Oswald Chambers, and I, I still read that from time to time. He said, blessed, you know, using the Scripture, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he was pointing out how recognizing how really poor you are is a doorway to the kingdom. Not boasting how rich you are and how you are increased with goods, but I'm poor and wretched, God. I'm poor in spirit, and I need you. And when you confess that, you're going to find him to be faithful. We are the are-nots and the can-nots. I mean, I know there's some people that are really called the are-nots, but, uh, but we're the are-nots and the can-nots. But he's the one who is and can and will. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So anyway, we know that. Now notice he said present trouble. You know, what good is a God that's way far off watching from a distance? That's not who our God is. Our God is with us. Say, He's with me. He's with me. And He's in me and He's for me. That means if everybody else is against you and if God is for you, you got it made. Way better. It's way better than you thought. And because He's with you and for you and a very present help in trouble, verse 2, therefore. Now, if you've been around here, you know what the word therefore means, right? What does it mean? It means it's, this is written, therefore, what just was said, therefore. We will not, what? Fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. You know, after that is the word silah, means think about it. You should think about this. Let's think about it. Think about it. Don't just pass over and say, God, this is for another time. Look in verse 4. You could put a therefore there. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be what? And that word means shaken. Everything's going to be shaken that can be shaken. Except what? The kingdom. So if you built your life on anything else, get ready to be shaken to the core. If you're built on the kingdom, there will be a place of stability, a place where you will stand. And then verse 6, the nation... Oh, look, let's read verse 5. God is in the midst. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. You know, there's sometimes it's not until after the darkness. But still, God is your helper. And you got to remind yourself of that. I believe the church in America is going to understand that the anger of the Lord is but for a moment. This is Psalm 30, verse 5. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You look that up, it means a shout of joy. Not just joy. We're going to shout in this hour. Some of you are a little shy 
You're not going to be shy when you see the goodness of your God in the times in which we're living. And then verse 7 or 6, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Now remember the scripture we read from Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. In understanding all that God is, remember this verse. It says, remember the Lord, great and awesome. But it doesn't stop there. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren. That means also your countrymen, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. In other words, your family, your tribe, your clan, your land. Now, I want to read something, just an introduction of this. I'm working through this book. This is not the kind of book you read in one setting. I guarantee you not one setting. You couldn't handle it, but plus I couldn't do it. It would be, that is impossible. I'm going to need many settings. But I'm, I'm well into it. But anyway, here's just how it opens up, and then we'll get on to the message. We live in unprecedented times. Now, we've heard this a whole bunch in the last couple of years. You will likely soon be required to stand and defend that which you love. The normal order of society is irretrievably broken, and it is not going back to normal. Forces of tyranny are executing a progressively oppressive game plan of omnifaceted, total asymptomatic warfare. We've been talking about, how many of you know we've been in the midst of war? Biological, psychological, informational. And that's just to start. And as such, we must adopt a right posture for war. In other words, we must have a warrior mindset. That's what a lot of this book is about. But not all of it. Your adversaries are formidable, numerous, and determined in many respects more dedicated than the believers. That's scriptural. I can show you. You must consider them for what they are and as they are. Loosing your naivety so you may gain discernment and alertness to humanity's enemies. You have astounding, provable authority both as citizens and believers. You must exercise both forms of them to be of any effect. When appropriate, your Lord expects you to exercise the authority He paid the ultimate price to give you. You know... The Scripture says, draw near to God. But you don't stop there, do you? What do you do after that? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You must do both. Anyway, both your legal and spiritual authority are up-armored and substantial tools at your disposal. Let me skip down a little bit. Those who love the Lord, life, liberty, will resist and must. Nehemiah was a great example. The Lord led him to return and restore a Jerusalem that lay in waste. He did so with a people who had one hand on their work and one to their defense. 
Believers are to face our enemies not with a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and what? A sound mind. Do so will enable you to be prepared and you'll be encouraged in the goals in doing your work. Preparation is necessary. Implementation on your part is essential. Resisting tyranny is a participation sport. Seem like I've heard that before. Take action now and, accord, and plan accordingly. Anyway, there's so much more. You are responsible for pursuing your own life, liberty, and happiness. You know, the church in the beginning days of America is a... Well, let me put it this way. The church today is a far cry from where we were in the beginnings of this nation. Far cry. But there's a remnant, and the remnant is rising. Now, the one word I want to focus on this morning is preparedness. I hope I rattle your chain a little. The preparedness means to make ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you prepared for what's at hand? You know, I wrote a book many years ago called The Times to Come Have Come, Hope and Help in Troubled Times. And when I wrote that book, I, I don't know if, if the times that were to come had come. And anyway, I, I wondered about it. Well, I'm not wondering anymore. The times that were to come have come. Now, we've already told you many times. Jesus said, I told you about these things before they come to pass. So, this is John, so that when the time comes, you may not stumble. But so that you will remember, I told you of them. To stumble means what? See how many of you were listening. It means to fall away. Become offended. Shocked. Depressed, discouraged. You could list a whole bunch of... But it means to fall away. How many of you know there's going to be a great falling away? Do you think times like this could cause a great falling away? There's only going to be two sides. That's it. Jesus said, either you're for me or you will be adamantly against me. And we see that force arising. So anyway... Now, the rest of that, the title, the subtitle of that book, you think, man, that's a scary book. Nobody, no wonder nobody bought your book. The rest of it is hope and help in troubled times. Well, we read Psalm 46. He's a very present help in troubled times. And uh, so we're going to have to know that. I want him to be my helper without the trouble. Well, that's where we all are, to be honest with you. And he is. But he's also our helper in the midst of troubled times. So how are you going to prepare? Now, these are things from John's book. I'm going to be faithful. I told him, John, when I use your book, I will. He's probably watching today. I will be faithful and give you credit. But then I'm going to talk about what God showed me. But I will give him credit. So here's what he said. Number one, you're prepared on multiple levels. Some of these we're familiar with. But what would you think would be the number one way you must be prepared in this hour? Spiritually. 
You better be prepared. Listen, if, if all of them go to the wayside, this is the one you most of all must major in. Make sure you're right with God. Be right with Him. If you're with Him, in His presence is fullness of joy. And is it right hand or you know, pleasures forevermore. Those that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits, or they will resist and they will do the great exploits for this hour. And then number two, tactically. Have a plan. Some of you hadn't thought about this. Think about it. Have a plan. Careful plan. Thought out in advance. Strategy. What are you going to do in certain situations? Have you met with your family, your children, in some various scenarios and saying, this is what we will do? Now, I'll get into this later, but the, he talks about all these biases. And I heard about them from different places. One of them is called normalcy bias. People today think everything's going to go back to normal because it always has. Well, if I read the book, if I read the end of the book, there's coming a time. It's not going back to normal. Normal, you've got to redefine normal as the way it's defined in the Word of God. The normal believer is not... Well, anyway, I'll save that for another day. A normal believer is the one who lives by the Word of God, and if need be, they will die by the Word of God, but they will stand. They're not ashamed in anything, but with all boldness. Christ will even now be exalted in their body, whether by life or by death. For to them to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And then the third way is provisionally. You know, they're telling us all kinds of things. Bonnie shared something many months ago. Are you prepared? Do you have supplies? We saw a video from Pittsburgh, young man, you know, showing how the shelves are getting emptier and emptier. Well, I know that God, that He will never forsake me. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. But I also know in the Scripture there are many examples where you must prepare, and I'll talk about that. And then physically. Now, that's where John stopped. He stopped provisionally. I got two more, John. Physically, you're going to have to be prepared physically. You know, bodily exercise profits a little. I try my best to get to the workout in North Wilkesboro. I try my best like three, two or three times, one or two times most. Anyway, I try to get there. I try. I try to get there. And I'm going to keep trying. I figure, don't stop now. You stop now, man. You may get to a point you won't be able to do it. So just do it. And I'm going to increase. I'm starting a new season. I'm telling myself now, you're going to run faster. You're going to lift more. You're going to do more. In Jesus' name, by faith. So anyway, okay. Some of you are thinking, are you sure about all this? Why do you think Jesus said, pray that your flight be not in winter. Nobody preaches on that. You ever heard a message on that? I have, Brother Sadu. He's the only one that's ever said that. I'm going to see him this week. I want to hear, he's, he's up in Washington. 
I'm going to be a part of a prayer gathering in front of the White House on Wednesday, and then I'm going to go one night to here to be with Brother Sadu and then be back here for Bobby. But, and in the midst, I'm going to be in the Congo and on the radio in Uganda. It's going to be an exciting week. Some of those, I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to have to stop in a rest area and preach. I can do that. You can do a lot of things with this right here. Well, I don't know if that'll work, so I'll use my phone. But I'll work. It'll work. I'll make it happen. And then this church in Pakistan has asked me to preach next Sunday at his church. The only problem is 3 a.m. in the morning. Anyway, we'll figure all this out, Lord. We've got to run while we can run. Physically. And then faithfully. When you prepare, you do not prepare out of fear. You prepare out of faith. Faith. I'll talk about that. Now let's look at some examples. You guys with me? I'm not finished. I'll go fast. I don't have to, do I? What else we got to do? There's absolutely zero on TV. It's the most boring time in the history of television. And I don't even want to see what they have to say. The other day, Addie was visiting with us, and me and her watched The Three Stooges on YouTube. I I educated her some good television, the way we used to watch it. And anyway, she... um, And then she hit me in the head, and I thought, you know, (laughs) I probably probably shouldn't do that. Anyway, to me, they're innocent. But let's go. Amos, go to the book of Amos. I'm going to go quickly, but there's some things that the Bible says about preparing for the times in which we're living And just some examples, really. They're examples of where we're called to prepare in the Scripture. And the first one is Amos. And the context is God's own people, Israel. They've been redeemed out of Egypt, and now they've departed from walking with the living God. And look in verse 2 of chapter 3. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, therefore I I will punish you for all of your inequities. Now, this punishment would really an act of his love because he was wooing them, drawing them. And I'll show you that. Now, look in verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing except he reveals his secret to the servant, his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but not prophesy? In other words, a prophet... They don't tell us what we want to hear. They don't tell us what they want to tell us. They don't tell us what's comfortable to them and to us. They, they don't water down their message because they're called a fear monger. They just say, thus saith the Lord. Nothing more and nothing less. And this is our call in this hour. Now, you know, look over in chapter 4. I want to show you some examples of God trying to get His people's attention. And what happened? Verse 6, also I gave you... Now watch, here's some examples. Cleanness of teeth in all your cities. 
You know what cleanness of teeth really means? I think he's trying to be kind, the one who interprets this. It means hunger. And lack of bread in all your places. But look what happened. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. So he gave them this situation in order for that they might turn back to him. But what happened? They didn't turn. Now look at the rest. Verse going on. I also withheld rain from you. When there was still three months in the harv- to the harvest, I made it rain on one city and withheld rain from another. One part was rained upon, and where it did not rain, the part withered. There was drought. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Now, why would God do something like this? Drought. Well, that He would draw them back to Him. Yet you would not, or you have not, returned to Me, says the Lord. Verse 9. I blasted you with blight and mildew. When your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. And so there came what? Plague, pestilence. But what happened? Did they return to God? Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. So verse 10. Or in other words, I believe that speaks of the supply chain. You know, they, they couldn't get their crops into the, har- the harvest. They couldn't get things where they could take advantage. But then the next part is the plague. Verse 10, I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. You're young, and then your young men I killed with a sword. So there became a plague, pestilence, and war. But did that get their attention? What happened? Look in verse 10. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. So what was God's goal in all of this? To get the people to turn back to Him. Where blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Now look in this in verse 11. I overthrew. Oh, by the way, say, I overthrew. God is saying, I overthrew. I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you've not returned to me, says the Lord. Now notice God did not celebrate Sodom and Gomorrah. He overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And then that all of this, this is an amazing passage. And then in verse 12, Therefore thus says, or thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you, here's what he says, prepare to meet your God. I I think that's one of the most unbelievable scriptures in all of the Bible. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. And I wonder if he's saying, O America. Now look over in Hebrews chapter 11. You guys still with me? I'm just reading the Bible. If you have any, you know, you want to just say, I don't agree with that. 
and take it up with him. I didn't write it. I'm just reading. You know, that might not be a bad idea for some churches in America today. Cease from your own opinion and just read the Bible to the people. Let them hear, thus saith the Lord again. Anyway, they're going to get upset. Lord, you said if you're for me, who can be against me? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Now, we've talked about this before. You need to look at it again. Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. By which, you know, many were saved. But here's Noah's response that I see in this. And just to remind us, number one, Noah heard the warnings from God. You know, today there are many that they've closed their ears. They don't want to hear what God has to say. That's why they run after those who will tickle their ears and tell them what they really want to hear. God's not into that. God is the kind of God that wants people to hear what He has to say. In fact, the flesh withers, the flower fades, all this stuff is going to pass away, but the Word of our God endures forever. That's all. Men will come and men will go. God's Word will remain. Now, they'll try to get rid of it. They've tried to get rid of the Word of God all through history. They failed every time. And they will fail again. And then Noah heeded the warnings. He didn't just sit back and say, God will save me. Have you noticed? He didn't say that. The Bible says He gives the Holy Spirit to them that obey Him. Obedience is not an option. And then He moved by faith. You know, he saw, in fact, he didn't even see any evidence of what God said was going to happen. But faith moves when you don't see, but you've heard and you know what God has said is true. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it's impossible. It is absolutely impossible to please him. In fact, that's how that scripture opens up regarding Noah. And then he believed what God said, regardless of all the naysayers. You're going to have naysayers. Ah, he's a fearmonger. You think anybody called Noah a fearmonger? Hey, Noah, have you looked around lately? Do you see any dark, ominous clouds in the sky? It hadn't rained in quite a while. In fact, very quite a while. Anyway, he didn't care about the naysayers. You know, cancel culture is not only out in the world. There's a cancel culture in the church. It's called a religious spirit. Don't tell me what thus saith the Lord is. Tell me something that will make me feel good about myself. So I won't repent and get right with God is basically. They're not saying that, but anyway... Fooey on cancel culture. You just say it like, what are you going to do? Who, who are you going to stand before one day? You're going to give an account for what God has deposited in you. And then because of his obedience and preparation, his household was saved. And we've asked this before. 
Would his household have been saved if Noah had sat on? And then God used him to create conviction and to create in the people. His obedience led them to condemnation where they, had, it was, it, they were determined guilty before God. And that would lead them to repentance. His obedience would lead them to repentance, to place in a guilty light. I was thinking about Coach Jim Harbaugh. I want to rally for him this morning. He's the coach of the University of Michigan. He had the gall to stand up for a certain issue and say that he believed a certain way regarding the unborn. And they went after him with a fury on ESPN and everywhere else. Well, thank God for the Jim Hallballs that are not afraid. 98% of the coaches didn't say a word. How many, how many came to his rescue? Do you know any? How many pulpits are coming to his rescue? Probably not that many. There's some. You know, we, we're not... There's 7,000. But we need more than 7,000. But anyway, thank God for his boldness. And then, finally, Noah demonstrated because of his... He was an heir of righteousness through faith. He demonstrated righteousness. Now, let's move on. You guys still with me? You're not checked out yet? You're not thinking about what you're going to have for lunch? I have no idea what we're going to have for lunch. Well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> that may be a prophetic word. Hey, God, I have no idea what we're going to have for lunch today. But we will figure it out. You hadn't seen nothing yet. I'm talking about the goodness of our God. And I mean we. You just sit there and say, okay, God, feed me. Now, I know there's a song, feed me till I want no more. But listen, are you not partnering in this adventure called Christianity? I mean, it's a faith walk. Those that know their God, they will be strong, and they will do great exploits. Okay, another example, Matthew chapter 3. I'll go quickly. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. Isaiah says, make a highway for our God. And declare the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Even in the wilderness, even in the desert, our proclamation in this hour is going to be, when it doesn't look like it's going to happen, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. I don't care what it looks like. God's glory is going to be revealed. And then, Luke 1, you know, John came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he was called to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There were those... We're to, he was to prepare the people for the first coming, and we're called to prepare people for the second coming. And then Jesus told his disciples in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I go, what does he say? To prepare a place. I'm preparing a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. That where I am, there you may be also. How many of you are glad God is... The Lord is preparing a place. Jesus, He's preparing a place for you. That means this is not all there is. We're just pilgrims passing through. 
These guys in this great cloud of witnesses, they've shown up this morning. They showed up because it was spoken in faith, but I believe they're here. And they want to remind you there's a greater inheritance here and there. You want both. And they're waiting for the one here to be manifested on the earth. I'm telling you, this is a glorious time in which we're living. Prepare place. And that is the way, the truth, and the life. I know they may not want to hear it, but we're going to shout louder than we've ever shouted. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. People are wondering, who's telling the truth today? I admit it's hard to find anyone. But I know for a fact, Jesus is the truth. And if you trust in Him, you will not be led astray. And He'll lead you into all truth. And He's the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. And then Proverbs 30, verse 25 Referring to what is small on the earth, but exceedingly wise. Here's what it says. The ants are a people. And I had to think about that a while. God, you called ants, but that's the way it says. Ants are a people, not strong, yet they prepare their food in summer. Why are they preparing their food in summer? Because winter's coming. What will happen to those ants if they do nothing? And then another thing, while walking through the valley of the shadow of death. What did he say? Fear no evil. I'm preparing for you. I'm preparing a table for you in the very presence of your enemies. Right in their face. They're your enemies, but God is preparing a mighty banqueting table. I don't understand all what that's going to look like, God, but I'm looking forward to walking in it. Well, if you want to walk in it, you're going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, by the way, don't fear any evil, because He's with you. In His rod and His staff, He comforts you. And he's going to show himself strong. And then, there's so many things. Matthew 25. And this is, I'm getting toward the end. But Jesus will come and separate. There are many other examples where the Scripture tells us to prepare in certain ways. But he comes to separate the sheep from the goat. There's the judgment on the nations. And Jesus said in verse 34, He will sit set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. How many of you know there's a kingdom he's preparing and has been prepared? And then Revelation 9.15, we read, So the four angels who had been prepared. I want to know more about this, Lord. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. I'm just reading. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, Revelation 21 
I see it's recorded that the first heaven, the first earth will pass away, fervent heat, great noise in the elements. The earth and the works will be burned up. And then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And suddenly, out of the heavens, a new Jerusalem will descend. And it says about that new Jerusalem that has been prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then Luke 19, 7, let us rejoice and be glad for the Lamb, the marriage supper of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready. You look that up, the word ready means prepared. She's prepared. She's ready. And then, now this is amazing. Ephesians 6, it's part of the armor of God. I never saw this like this. Your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The word preparation is prepared or readiness. So part of the armor is putting on this gospel of peace so that you're prepared, your feet are made for walking. So you're prepared to walk through whatever God calls you to walk through as a part of the armor of God so that you'll have peace in the midst of whatever storm may come your way. You have peace in the storm and you have peace with God who's ultimately the God of all storms. He's the God of all storms. He's the one that causes them to cease. Anyway, that was an amazing scripture. Now, why won't people prepare today? Here's what I think. Number one, they feel like they have plenty of time. We've lost the sense of urgency. If I read the New Testament correctly, those guys believed the Lord was coming in their lifetime. He didn't. But they believed it. And they prepared as such. And then another thing, many, they don't believe they are to prepare, that God's just going to take care of them. And maybe according to their faith, He'll be more of a God. I mean, listen, God is God. But I find over and over and over, and there are many more places about preparedness. Be ready. Do this. There were these prophets that showed up and they said, the famine is coming upon the land. What do you, they did. They started preparing. But they've lost the urgency. Oh God, send the urgency back. Not just preparing, but urgency about being right with God. That conviction that causes people to start weeping, crying out because they want to get right with God. They know They're not right with Him. And their time is quickly passing away. And then they believe they're, you know, that that I guess they don't believe God's Word. A lot of people just, they read the Bible as if it's for some other day, for some other people. You know, God, that sure seems right for back in the first century, or it sure seems right for the end of the end of the age. And God, that's a long time from now. That's what they told me. They told me I wouldn't be around for any of this. It's all happening, but they told me I wouldn't be here. So figure all that out. Okay, this is where I want to close. Back to Matthew 25. Verse 34. Now, here's another way that we're to prepare. 
or something that's been prepared, it says in the Scripture. Matthew 25, 34, Jesus said, and we read this, He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 41. On the left, on those who rejected him. Then he will say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting Fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then in verse 46, it says, And these will go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. All I can tell you, folks, friends, it's time to make sure you're right with Jesus. Let's make sure you're right with Him so that your feet can be shod and be prepared to walk through what I believe our nation is going to walk through. If God really loves America, and I, I don't say this flippantly, But if God really loves America like He did Israel, His Word is going to be fulfilled to America like it was to Israel. And He loves America. Oh, He could make it all go back to normal. But you know what most of the people would do? they'd go back to sleep. Just like they did time and time and time and time again. He loves the lost. He loves the nations more than you could ever imagine. And he longs for his bride. And so the fire is coming. Because of the love of God. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. God, I believe I've shared what you put in my heart. Lord, I thank you that what was of me you'll delete, and what is of you, it will bear much fruit, and it'll be fruit that will remain. Your word will never return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which you send it. And I thank you for the calling us to this hour. For we didn't choose this moment. You chose us for the moment. And I thank you, Lord, you knew what you were doing. From the foundation of the world, our names were written that we would be alive and on the earth for such a time as this. And Lord, I ask you today to give everyone in this room and those that are watching, Lord, I pray whenever they hear this message, God, build them up with great faith and great hope. Lord, let them have a wow, wow is our God in their spirit. 
Let them know, Lord, you're the one who's with them. You're the one who's for them. You're the one who's living in them. And you will be all that you've said you are and you, you promise. Your promises are yes and amen. And I thank you, Lord. These are the most exciting times in all of history. And the heavens are erupting. The great cloud of witnesses are cheering. <laughs> They've waited. They've waited for such a long time. And I thank you now is the time. So Lord, I just ask you to fill the people today with great hope, great faith, great courage. Let them be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I want you just to stand. We're going to have some of our guys around the altar. We're going to pray for people this morning. And there are going to be miracles. How many of you believe that word Bonnie spoke? There are going to be miracles. Listen, we've got to grab hold of the word of the Lord and walk in it now. If you don't have the full understanding, just say, God... You take care of that. But I believe, thus saith the Lord, I believe your word. You said it, I believe it. I'm going to walk in it and just go for it in this hour. So we're going to pray for miracles. Those of you that are just going to be here one time, you need a miracle. This is the day. The power of God's available. But we always pray for the harvest. We pray for the lost. We've seen thousands upon thousands come into Jesus in Africa. And they're watching this now on Eternal Life TV, Jacob TV, in many places. So right now, just, hey, maybe there's someone in here. And the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now. Your heart is about to jump out of your chest. That's the way it was for me when I was just a nine-year-old boy. I don't know what it's like for you. I just know my heart was beating out of my chest. And I had to go forward. I had to ask Jesus to come into my life. And listen, don't go out of here just saying, I'll do it another day. No, this is the day of salvation. Today is the day. So just pray this. Mean it in your heart. You that are watching online, just say, dear God, I need you. And I believe in Jesus. That he is the son of God. That he lived, that he died, and that he rose from the dead. I confess my sin before you. I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my sin and I turn my life over to you. From this moment on, I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior. I receive you by faith. I've confessed you with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God has raised His Son from the dead. And I thank you. You said whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. 